Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Cut Up with Cast. And I have here do you wanna go by Aaron or Alec? Indefinitely. Uh you can call me Alec. <laughs> okay, Alec. So we have Alec here today talking with us. Um I'm just gonna start uh this by saying that one thing that I am getting more into and Cast Drake Designs is getting into is, you know, social justice. So you hear him? It's crazy. So social justice is the connotation that all human beings should have the same rights and the same opportunities um, as each other. And these issues are relevant based on, you know, where you live, like the community, um, you know, what's going on with, with, um, Get him. He has to go out. He, my, our cat again. Second time in a row, he's been crazy enough to get thrown out of the room for a podcast. So you know, it's more relevant based off of the different communities um, that you live in. So you know, rural versus urban. There are different types of problems, and you know, ge- geographically wherever you live, it's, you're going to have uh, d- different concerns. So things that are social justice topics are things like equality, um, access to health care, uh, climate change, um, equality rights. Those are just a few um, that, you know, we see day to day. And the, the goal with this is to spread awareness and hope that we can level the playing field um, and eliminate, potentially eliminate, you know, discrimination as best that we can. So that's kind of why I have Castrake designs. It's, you know, using clothing and other accessories to express activism awareness uh, so others can represent whatever the cause is that they are, um, you know, feel passionate about. So why, why, why use clothing? What's the point um, with that? Well, Images are quick, they are effective, they are great ways to evoke emotion and evoke conversation without ever even saying a word. Um, You know, images and words on an item can inform you and educate you and and show your advocacy um, in such, you know, a simple, um, non-threatening way. So that's why I think it's important to support things like T-shirt activism and other companies that promote activism um, when it comes to your clothing and other items. So that being said, one thing that I want to talk about today a little bit more is black-owned businesses. So... So... At one time in history, black communities were anchored by the black-owned businesses that were around them. In my last podcast, I talked about in the early 90s, um, late 90s, when I was growing up and seeing black-owned businesses, they they were mostly in poverty, right? Um, And I was talking about how I just went to 
14 Parish in Chicago, and it had like an elegance with it that that a white-owned business, you know, uh, historically has. So those differences are kind of a little bit what I'm going to talk about. So at one time, as I was saying, black communities were anchored by black-owned independent businesses and financial institutions. And oh, we saw a 30-year trend where these black businesses were collapsing. Um, in 1985, 60 black-owned banks were providing financial community, financial services to their community. In 2017, just 23 of them remained. In 1994, 11 different states were the headquarter for uh, black, black bank uh, financial institutions. And now, only two of them remain um, remain in place. Oh, no, I was wrong about that. Eleven states were the financial headquarters, and none none are in place. But um, there were fifty black insurance companies at the same time, and now two of those ones are in place. So <laughs> sorry about that mix up, but so um. I mean, during that time, we we saw just tons of companies uh, go under, and African Americans were, you know, far less likely to be their own boss. So, you know, what what's behind these trends, and what does that imply about American society as a whole, and where, you know, we are going? So, some of the reason why there was a decline were positive things. So we started seeing a rising number of black uh, Americans that were entering the white-collar workforce. Um, and that that meant they have more options for employment and, you know, beyond running their own business. They were able to um, do really well in life in someone else's uh, business. Uh, also, we saw millions of black families move and, um, you know, move conjugate towards the suburbs so when that happened those those black businesses that were the root of those communities um left with them to the suburbs um and those historically black neighborhoods you know uh did, did not survive or if they did survive <clears throat> we see today a lot of a lot of poverty in those um in those places and this did not just affect black people, you know, it, it affected all all the minorities, uh, Hispanics, um, what are some other minorities? Asians. Asians. Latino. Yeah, um, they, all, all of these people were experiencing a loss of opportunity, um, and also the number of women was low back then, I mean, almost non-existent for the workforce for the, you know, being a black-owned business, and today, it's something like African Americans make up 13% of the population, and only like 6% of them are business owners, and in that, only 30% are female, so there, there, there's definitely uh, a CTA call to action for black business women, black minor, or other minorities, women, to get into, um, to get into business and you know uh outside of um you know race is just the fact that large companies 
came in and bought out all the smaller companies. You know, we have places like Walmart and Amazon. Amazon. Um, so, I guess, let's talk about the, why are there, why there are so few black businesses? You want to talk about the bank? Sure. Well, I mean, to, to understand how we got to the point where we're at, you need to kind of understand uh, how we got here. So, uh, you know, 50, 70 years ago, um, there was a lot of discrimination in the banking sector and uh, as well as the housing sector. And you'll, you'll kind of see that they're both uh, related a little bit because they both involve, uh, you know, wealthy institutions uh, being willing to give somebody money uh, as a loan. So, uh, like, if you were back in, like, the 1950s and you were uh, a black entrepreneur and you want to start a business, uh, the first thing you need to understand is that um, there was already a lot of systemic institutional racism back then. So... Uh, not a lot of black people were coming from positions of wealth into uh, these businesses. So uh, a person who doesn't have a lot of uh, money or assets uh, would be, you know, you would be walking into a bank and saying, I need $100,000 to start up a store or, or, or a business. And they would take a look at you and they would say, well, you look like you're too much of a risk, uh, so we're not going to give you this money. So, uh, as, as you know, uh, one of the best ways of moving up in, in society is to work hard. You know, people work their butts off to afford things and to build wealth for their families. So, to be denied these opportunities to take risks, means that your wealth potential is limited, right? So, and we're talking about way in the past. Mm -hmm. So, uh, those those families and those entrepreneurs never really had the chance to uh, have, you know, decades or, or centuries of, of growing this wealth within their communities and within their families, like uh, a lot of... Well, I, um, to digress it makes me think a lot about uh reparations like i i am not for on the side of uh you know african-americans should get reparations but it does make you think about the fact that uh people who weren't minorities in america had all these years to grow uh -huh. and do better you know what i mean and 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 it's like how how do you how do you make up for that you know how do you how do you equate that how do you level the playing field when you know in 1776 or whatever you know people weren't actually free you know like we yeah. just we just got June Juneteenth um, approved as a holiday and it's just think about like there's so many there's so many years that non minorities had to build themselves and trial and error and yeah. stuff. 
I mean, it, yeah, th that's that's a good point. I mean, it it takes a long time to build up wealth for your family, and uh, anyone in America who grew up, you know, as an orphan or or didn't have a family to rely on, uh, can can back you up on that. It's not like uh, it, it's it's not an everyday story of someone who came from nothing suddenly become successful and now they're wealthy it's usually because they have uh th they have family uh wealth they're they live in areas that give them opportunities um it's because people are willing to take risks on them and uh be you know historically that has been true for a lot of races but uh minorities uh, especially black and brown uh, people have have not had those opportunities given to them for various reasons. Um, you know, black people were enslaved for a long time, and then suddenly they're free, and they're like, okay, well, I guess we're starting from nothing. Meanwhile, their neighbors uh, who were not slaves have houses, mm -hmm. they have businesses, they have connections in the mm -hmm. community, they've got uh you know you they've got good debt like mortgages and, mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff that builds equity and and it gets passed down to your children so i mean when when people talk about reparations a lot of times they're talking about um just you know here's a check or here's a scholarship for your kids but there are other types of reparations that work too like lowering the barrier to uh getting a business loan mm -hmm. or or helping pay a down payment for a house. You know, those are all things that uh, that that help bring that barrier to making wealth and and, and growing your assets that much easier. You know, it, it, it's a lot of people talk about when when they get a house, they need to have twenty percent uh, down payment. Well, you know, twenty percent of a house that costs a hundred thousand dollars is twenty thousand dollars and a lot of people in fact probably most people don't have twenty thousand dollars to spend on a house and then even more to fix it up after they get the house and even more to pay all the bills that that and the costs that are associated with that so uh you know th there are some new programs out like i know when we were buying our house uh, there was a program where if you bought them in certain neighborhoods in Chicago, uh, they would give you like a, a, a pretty substantial loan, like $30,000 to fix it up because they're trying to put money back into these communities um, rather than see them get run down. And uh, have you ever heard of the, the broken window theory? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. That's that's what I would think about when I would look at Rockford on the west side. I would yeah. be like, but, but the problem is, is that everyone had a broken window. Well, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the point. It's yeah. like if 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 one house gets run down and abandoned because their their family the family that lived there moved out or they couldn't afford to fix it, then it drives down property values for everybody around them, and then suddenly their neighbor is like, well, my house just went down $10,000. Now I can't afford to stay here, so I'm going to move out. Now there's a vacant house on the lot. Now everyone else's property values go down again, and it's just a vicious spiral 
where uh, the the disrepair and the vacancies uh, they they bring in people that can't afford to live in places that are nicer because they're willing to put up with the you know the the mm -hmm. broken windows and then the neighborhood just kind of takes a downward spiral until anyone who has the means to move out has moved out and everyone who lives there is uh not so fortunate and and then you know it it helps drive crime upwards it helps drive people who would make the neighborhood better out and that's I think a lot, uh, that gets back to my point about the black-owned businesses, right? So, like, we live in Chicago, and there's there's very large sections of the city that are majority uh, minorities that live there. Uh, there's a lot of neighborhoods on the south side, um, close to Indiana, too, uh, on the west side, and if you're uh if you're a really ambitious person and you live in these neighborhoods uh it's it's hard to say it's hard to uh make those neighborhoods better because you know let's say that i'm the bank and you come to me and you're like uh well there's no i want to make a grocery store right mm -hmm. i want to sell food to my community right great idea every place has grocery stores that's a, a good business to build well they, they uh there's this kind of uh it's not it's not explicitly racism but it it affects race right uh and the way that this affects race is that uh when i the bank uh turn to you and and uh i i say well your business is you're you're in kind of a risky neighborhood, right? So I'm going to force you to get expensive insurance mm -hmm. uh, more than I would charge someone who lived, in, you know, in, in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. uh, so now all of a sudden your your costs go up for nothing, right? And they or, or they may just say, you know, we're we're not in the business of giving loans in this area. Uh, that's that's something called redlining. Uh, and that, uh, technically that's illegal, but, uh, it, it can still happen, mm -hmm. right? Um, in, in the past, they, they would say explicitly, we're not going to give any loans to people mm -hmm. on the South side. And then, you know, that was, that was really explicit, uh, racism. Mm -hmm. Like, so those neighborhoods never got that, uh, those investments coming in to build their communities up and, uh that's that kind of leads us to where we are right now there's a lot of areas uh that haven't had this money this wealth this investment come into their communities to help build them up at the same rate as everyone else right mm -hmm. so i think that's that's why it's so important to promote these black owned businesses because it and I, I think you'll agree, right? We need to bring money into these communities in a good way, right? We need to we need to bring people up and give them the tools that they need to succeed. And when they succeed, the people around them succeed, and their families succeed. Their neighbors now have stores to go to. They have a reason to fix those broken windows, 
you know, and, and people have reasons to live in those neighborhoods, right? Yeah, uh, you are exactly right. And with that being said, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is we are in a new era. We are in a new time. We are at a time where we have the power of social media. We have the power of word of mouth. We have the power of and being able to text each other and just emails and newsletters and things. And we can bring awareness to this. And that's what I was talking about with um, why I think it's important to support these clothing companies um, like Castric Designs where we're putting that right on your shirt, right in front of it, things like equality. And, you know, it may start a few arguments, but you also may educate a few people. And I think that's definitely worth it. And in this era, with that being said, what have we done about this? Um, we have, we've created this wonderful black-owned business community that has tons of programs that are available to African Americans and other minorities. There's free workshops, there's free seminars and webinars, and um, there's free trainings. Um, there's also, um, you know, like conferences and groups, and there's just so many ways that you can promote your business within the black um, community to help you kind of get your name, get your word out there. Um, one, one person that I read about was this 28-year-old black girl. Uh, she had lost her job during the pandemic and um, was really behind on bills and things and um she decided to make her own her own cookie business and through the connections that she had made when she was working she was able to promote this and what she was doing and her business you know went global and she's made you know millions of dollars and and what's great is that um, you can you can see the people who supported her and they support um, they support just small businesses and small communities and it's the power of all that uh, we need all of those different things we need to be educated about the past so we can understand while we're doing what we're doing now in the future you know we need word of mouth we need social media we need to make sure that we're getting out there and we also need to present whatever community you stand for in a in a positive way um it's it's just really important to help the community grow is to you know make sure that you fix the window or you uh -huh. get to, you get to together with a group of people to talk about fixing windows you know you have to make that first step to make it better and you know <clears throat> when i was in uh school they had groups that were working uh, on the south side where there's a lot of violence and they came to our school and told us about some of the work that they were doing and uh, these were like ex-gang members that had completely renounced their their ways because they realized the damage that they were doing to their communities mm -hmm. and they wanted to go to these neighborhoods that no one else will go to because they're too dangerous mm -hmm. and just talk to people and say you know you look you've lived here for 20 years you should not put up with this anymore mm -hmm. you need to lift yourself and your neighbors up and they would go to these gang members and say you know it these little 
street fights that you guys are having, uh, what's the point of all this? You know, you're you're making a little bit of money, but everyone around you suffers. There's there's addiction that people are dealing with. There's the gang violence, the turf wars, and the the small moment of fame and fortune that you get goes away just in a heartbeat. You know, you and and these people, uh, these ex gang members got together. I don't know. I don't remember the name of their group, but they wanted to empower their neighborhoods to uh, to lift themselves out of poverty, and you know that that would be uh, the that would be something that would lead to the the fixing of the broken windows in, in that mm-hmm. example. Or uh, making these neighborhoods attractive for investors to come in and buy houses or build new houses or fix up the existing houses and and bring money and wealth back into those communities. Yeah. Um, That kind of advocacy is something that uh, really needs to be pushed. Right. And you brought up a lot of points about things that I'll be talking about later on. Um, in my podcast series, um, I worked in the west side of Chicago, and I worked in an underprivileged community for, uh, you know, a few years, and definitely learned a lot about advocacy and helping people reach their goals, um, and it was, it was really great, but that's for next time, because we're out of time, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.